the more you can pick out some of those individual scents, the more likely you are to be dealing with a really exceptional coffee. If you can get distinct, specific fruit notes, you know, if you're getting blueberries and if you're getting, you know, a specific flower, oh, that's a that's a really special coffee. Golden raisin. Molasses. Curry. Grapefruit. Sweet bread pastry. Skunky. Mushroom. Mushroom? Mm-hmm. Meaty brothy. Hibiscus. <laughs> Hibiscus. 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 I think I would like that in a coffee. Yeah, I guess it could be like rose. I know a lot of coffee shops do the lavender. So that could be good. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and welcome to Coffee 101, a show about coffee. Today on the show, I am with Katie, as always, and we are going to be talking to Jeremy Moore of Bond Life Coffee Roasters out of Cleveland, Tennessee. And we're talking about the flavor wheel. And you're thinking, what is the flavor wheel? I, I, we're, we're really glad, we are really glad that you asked because we are going to go into it today. And these are the descriptors that we use for coffee. And at the beginning there, Katie and I were just going through some of the descriptors for coffee. Yeah. Katie, do you have any favorites? I don't know. I was looking on here just now. Also, just for funsies. Go online and look up a coffee flavor wheel. Yeah. And first of all, just to look at, they're so pretty because there's so many different colors, but it's fun to like look and see what the flavors are. But there's one on here called maple syrup. Yeah, that, that would be good. That sounds like it would be really good. I would say. Taste notes wise. I would say when you get closer to what I would call a medium roast, sometimes you can definitely get those soft, sweet, like, mm-hmm. you know, maple syrup type things. Butter? butter like i'll tell you with butter if you use a instead of a paper filter mm-hmm. if you use a metal filter then some of your some of your fats or your lipids will come oh. out and so you'll actually see a sheen on the top of your coffee and you can get a creamy buttery type taste to it what is coriander it's under uh, spice it's I don't yeah know if you have it on. yeah it's a spice so i'm looking at the soy sauce yeah, soy sauce Sun-dried you can get. tomato, leathery. Okay, I'll I'm let you I'm looking go. at the SCA's flavor wheel, and you're looking at... Taster's flavor wheel. Oh, wait, counterculture. It's a, yeah, counterculture. Yeah, counterculture's flavor wheel. Is that wheel. your series going off? Uh-oh. That always happens. If ever I say... Oh, wait, she's still listening. If ever I say something like, are you serious? Then she'll just like pop up out of nowhere and start listening to my conversation. Anyways, <laughs> she's helpful, though. Yeah, she actually just defined counterculture for us here. Oh, that was sweet of her. I know, but I stopped her before she actually started talking. It goes out of our way to make her, wait, to make our lives easier. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, so we're talking about the flavor wheel today on Coffee 101. This is super important, and we probably say that about every episode, but this one, it's important because if you have tasting notes on your coffee bag or the roaster or the coffee shop gives you tasting notes like orange and um lavender 
and clove, then you need to kind of have an idea of where these things come from. And they probably come from the SCA's flavor wheel or counterculture flavor wheel or a little bit of both. Or sometimes people will use words that aren't on that. Um, But we are going to explain it fully today with Jeremy Moore of Bond Life Coffee Roasters and I got Jeremy specifically for today's show, Katie, because mm-hmm. he and I have done some competitions together, and I, I admitted to him on the interview, but I have always looked up to him for his skill level. Oh, little at, little model. Yeah, at like, at like how he, because he always nails like his tasting notes. I um, love doing that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I went with someone one time and we did that um, for chocolate. Yeah. And it was really cool. Yeah. Um, so things like chocolate, wine, Yeah, whiskey, kind of richer coffee. tasting things. Yeah. You can, it's they cool. have like wheels and stuff like that. So let's get on to our interview with Jeremy Moore of Bond Life Coffee. Jeremy, good to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought uh, back to... You and I have done several competitions um, with each other, and um, you are probably, and I don't know that I've actually ever confessed this to you, but you're probably in my top, like, we'll say three, um, or, or two or three, as far as, like, respecting how you describe your coffee in competition as far as the flavor and the taste and stuff like that um so i think you do a great job so i was like i you know who who could i get on and so thought about you and here you are well that's awesome i, I really appreciate that it's uh it's something that that i'm passionate about right like most of us i didn't really know what i was getting into when i got into coffee yeah um, but the more i'm in it the, the more i love it and it's neat to hear you say that about the descriptors because that's that's actually one of the things that that uh the further I get into coffee, the more I want to be intentional about ensuring that I'm still making it approachable for everybody, right? Because we can very easily go down that rabbit hole and start using descriptors that don't mean anything to most coffee drinkers. Yeah, that's very true. And that's that's one thing we'll talk about a little bit today. Um, we'll be talking about the, the flavor wheel. And, um, you know, you probably remember, and I remember I actually had a little um, – mouse pad that had this on it it was the old original flavor wheel um that the scaa at the time now sca produced in around 2009 2010 started thinking okay well maybe we should come up with something different and it took several years um but they did come out with i think it was in 2016 um they were um with the with the WCR World Coffee Research, they collaboratively came out with the flavor wheel that we use now. Right, which I think, I think most people think it was an upgrade, although obviously if you ask 10 people a question, you'll get 10 answers, right? Right. But uh, yeah, I think it's an upgrade. I know you mentioned, uh, as we were talking beforehand, that you use some other tools as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, yeah the, the flavor wheel, I think, is a great, especially for coffee professionals, right, a, a great place to kind of level set and ensure that you're speaking, you know, basically the same language. Right, exactly. And so for our one-on-oneers out there, when we're talking about flavor wheel, uh, they use the same or similar type of thing in wine, but 
if you it's 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 literally a wheel. It's very colorful. You know, you could look it up, uh, and we'll try to put some links to both of the flavor wheels that we'll talk about today in the show notes. But really, you kind of start, and you said, Jeremy, that it's um, it's helpful as far as standardization. You know, amongst coffee professionals, I think it's also helpful to the consumer um, as far as like looking at it and, and trying to figure out what to, um, how to describe a coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, not to jump too deep, too fast, but you know, for it. it actually has kind of, kind of three rings. Right. And right. so from the inside out, you, know, you start out with kind of areas and, and, and general descriptors, you know, things like fruity or floral or sweet or spices. Um, which, you know, at that level, you can at least, okay, we can level set and agree this is, this is fruity. The right. further out you go, I think, you now again, this is a subjective topic a little bit. I think it's actually a little more subjective, right? The, the further toward the edges you go, the more specific, you know, in types of fruit or, or, um, you know, is it, is it honey or is it maple syrup, right? right. Or is it uh, rose or jasmine or chamomile? You know, those get to be, to me, a little more subjective versus okay hey we you and i can agree this is floral right Right. the specifics of the floral you know i think it starts to get so you know all that to say i think the the inner is incredibly helpful even for for the novice as you go further out the ring there's no wrong answers right yeah i I can say pear and you can say apple yeah you know we can both be right that's right the um, you know, it's funny. The I used to have a uh, professor who said, you know, if you don't know how to pronounce something, say it loudly. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think you can have the same thing sometimes in in coffee. Like you said, the further out, you know, somebody may say cherry, somebody might say pomegranate. Um, you know, but you just like you put your flag, you know, in the sand and and just just kind of see. Um, but, but yes, you start, there is a inner ring and that's the place technically for everybody to start. And, and when we say flavor wheel, and we're talking about flavor specific to the flavor wheel, we're not just talking about the taste. We're talking about the smell of the dry grounds, which we would call fragrance, um, which our one one ers learned in last episode and aroma, you know, which would be, you know, of the actual wet grounds and or the the brewed coffee itself and the taste of the coffee. So it's a little bit of everything uh, using your senses to come up with uh, some of these descriptors. That's right. Yeah. And, and I, I think, uh, again, the, the, the further out the ring you go, right, I kind of think of that as the further down the rabbit hole you go as well, right, to where... Right. Uh, more detail. Now, again, you know, part of that too is the more you can pick out some of those individual scents, the more likely you are um, to be dealing with a really exceptional coffee. Right? That's if, true. If, it, if you can get, you know, if you can get distinct, specific fruit notes, you know, if you're getting blueberries and if you're getting, you know, a specific flower, oh, that's a that's a really special coffee, right? right. Versus, oh, this is fruity, right? Or this is floral. Uh, still nice. You know, I like both of those, but, yeah. but if you can start picking out, you know, the more specific the notes you get, uh, the more distinct and unique, you know, and, and that brings up a good point. Um, we talked, I talked a little bit with Andrew on the last episode 
And uh, you and I talked a little bit before this about when we're using these descriptors, um, like, for example, and, and we're talking about scoring the coffee. Um, if somebody says lavender and bergamot and apple cider, it's probably not going to score or it shouldn't score like an 84. Um, but if somebody, right. and, and the vice versa is true, if somebody says nutty and uh, sweet, and that's all the descriptors they have, then it's probably not going to score or shouldn't score an 88. Yeah, completely agree. I think that's that's something, uh, you know, when I was going, I, I did my Q grader with, with Gather Coffee Company and Jen and that crew are, are amazing. And that was exactly one of the things that going through as we were trying to calibrate scoring. You know, right. let's, you know, compare your flavor notes, right? If, if, if you're talking about, yeah, distinct fruits and distinct florals, you know, of specific flowers and specific, if you say papaya and lavender, uh, that's a higher scoring coffee than, you know, sweet and fruity, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, and some of that is, you know, getting comfortable with going to a depth of specificity that right. generally we're not going to initially, right? And that's right. that's actually something I know you and I talked about offline. Mm-hmm. That I'm actually, you know, a little uncomfortable at times putting real specific flavor notes on a bag, yeah. Because just because I pick it out, you know, doesn't mean you will, right? So if so I what, so what do y'all do? Yeah, it's great. So today, now we've gone through, you know, we've we've been at it for ten years. We we've gone through several iterations of of bags and labels, yeah. Um, but typically, internally, so when we bring out a new coffee, we'll have everyone on the staff try it, talk through what they're getting out of it, um, and then come up with some common, um, fairly high-level descriptors. You know, so we will stick to, you know, light, fruity, yeah. floral, uh, chocolatey, you know, sweet, um, versus going in, into the the deeper notes, and then we'll have you know individuals. I, I'm one of them, right? Who will who will come up with, I, I try to compare it to kind of real world items you know, yeah. to come across. So, you know, rather than saying chocolate and cereal, I might say Cocoa Puffs. Right. Right. Um, because that's something that, you know, of course now I'm dating myself a little bit, right. People of a certain age will, will yeah. have a, an understanding of that, you know, or fruity pebbles or, right. or uh, you know, so, so, uh, oh, yeah. this is a, uh, you know, like, like waffles and maple syrup. Yeah. Um, so, but on the bag, we do not put, uh, any descriptors on, on our website, we'll put descriptors, you know, some of those higher level ones generally, right? but, but we don't print it on the bag because partly, you know, it's, it's one of those confirmation bias things too. Right? Yeah. If I tell you I'm getting strawberries, guess what? Uh, you're more, you're more likely to pick that up. Yeah. So uh, I like to, you know, give people a high level understanding of, Oh, if you like these kinds of coffees, yeah, try this one. Yeah. Um, without, without uh, putting too much of my opinion on it because I like certain types of coffees, and there's great people who know a lot about coffee who like different types of coffee. Yeah. Stick with us. We'll be back, and I will continue my conversation with Jeremy Moore of Bond Life Coffee. We usually use this time to talk about humble coffee, but today we're not. We're actually going to talk about the podcast. Because why not? Yeah, because why not? And... We think, and maybe we're a little biased, but that you should tell your friends about Coffee 101 because you want your friends to know about coffee. Because the more you know, 
I can't think of anything that rhymes with the more you know. The more you know, the better you'll... Glow? Yes! <laughs> the, New slogan. Yes, yes. hashtag the, the way that you will shine when presented in a coffee shop. So mm-hmm. yes, everybody and their mama needs to listen to Coffee 101. And if you're crazy enough, you could leave us a rating... And if you're even crazier than that, you could leave an elaborate rating. We've been surprised recently on how thoughtful and thorough some of the ratings are. Yeah, like some of y'all are like taking time out of your day to for little old us give us like a little a little complicated review, and we Which like we it. We certainly appreciate. We appreciate. It. It. We don't feel like we deserve it, to be honest no, with you. Not at all. I don't know where the British accent came from. I apologize. Anyways. That's all right. All right. Let's get back to the show. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101. We'll have people who ask, okay, is it flavored? It says um, banana and plum and rose water or whatever. Um, right. you know, is it flavored? And, you know, we have to explain, you know, that it's not. And, and hopefully... This show, this podcast will help with some of that, you know, for the uh, curious coffee consumer. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. And, and you know, first time I've thought about it, but I think I'm kind of digging it as far as, you know, kind of hint at it, but leave it a little open um, as far as how, I, to me, that seems maybe a little more approachable than nailing down, you know, these are the exact three, you know, that we get. So I get you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? And, and certainly, you know, there's a, a certain subset of specialty consumers. I get that question a lot of, of why don't you put tasting notes on the bags? And, and I say, you know, I, I really want it to, to not be a stumbling block to a broader audience. Right. I want them to get introduced to really nice coffees without having to, without being intimidated by, you know, rose water. And, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, I think it, it has helped us more than it's hurt us, but there's no doubt, you know, I'm sure there's been people who have come out to our shops who are used to, you know, those real specific descriptors and assume, oh, they don't have any, this right. must not be particularly special, uh, which I'd like to think is certainly not the case, but. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. So, le- uh, but let's, let's just, we'll go ahead and just set the record straight. So uh, Jeremy and his crew are phenomenal roasters uh, and they have some very, high-end coffee if you're looking for coffee so so that so there's no question out there past this point you'll never get that question again if, if you want the uh the most detailed tasting notes you can handle you know send me an email about the coffee <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll, I'll break it down for you <laughs> yes and and i can tell you like i said from competition that um he's good at it um and uh so it, it, yes yes he is on point um you know, one thing, another thing I was thinking about, and we'll put a link to this as well in the show notes, is the WCR, or World Coffee Research, has a sensory lexicon that they used to come up with the flavor descriptors on the SCA's uh, flavor wheel. The, the The really cool thing that I like about it is they use a very approachable real reference for that. So like, for example, for Blackberry, they might have um, Smucker's 
blackberry jam, you know, as their example for that. So you could go to the sensory lexicon if you were unsure on uh, what's the subtle difference on blueberry and strawberry. And um, they they have something that you could go to the store um, a lot of times and just straight up buy. And, and that would be their reference, you know, for that. Uh, that's a great, great call out. And, and you're absolutely right that, you know, if you really want to, to start going deeper, that is probably one of the best tools out there. I know we, we have uh, our staff that, that start to show interest in, you know, that next level uh, of, of tasting. That's one of the first places I send them is, Hey, you know, if you want to calibrate around what, uh, you know, beanie is, right. you know, let's, let's go to the lexicon and, and try some of those things. Right. So there's some, uh, there's some great ones. Also, you know, this is, again, I'm, I'm going, I'm nerding out a little bit, but yeah, the, go for it. The, the, uh, and my pronunciation, you know, I, I am a, a Southerner, so apologies in advance, right? <laughs> but uh, the Linnez de Café, you know, um, aroma set uh-huh. is yeah. another great one if you're trying to kind of that's right. train your nose and your palate to uh, to picking up different scents. Uh, that's something that, that uh, I and our team come back to regularly. Yeah, so there's that set, and I'm totally blanking, but there's another set. But the one that you're talking about is the is the default as far as go-to for, um, you know, the actual being able to smell um, those specific, you know, smells. Um, you know, another thing that I think is interesting with the flavor wheel is, well, two things. One is they try to color it to visually match or get close to matching, you know, what you're looking for. So if you're kind of tasting um, caramel and um, graham crackers, you know, then in your head, hopefully, you know, you're leaning more towards a a brownish kind of color. So so it's easier visually to find and then delineate on the wheel. And the other thing is um, they put, you know, and this is the scientific part, but But like, for example, raspberry is going to be directly adjacent to blackberry. Whereas if you take raspberry again as an example, uh, it's going to be, we'll say, three spaces over from raisin. So, So what they're trying to do is they're saying that is a quantifiable difference as far as like on the spectrum within that fruity or floral or, or, you know, in this example, fruity, you know, section. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. I know when in, when this one first came out, I, I fussed a little bit about alcohol and ferment yeah. being so far away yeah. from from some of those berries, right? Because we've all had coffees, right, that that kind of toe the line between, you know, I call it funky, you know, ferment overripe, uh, yeah. and and actually that really dark blueberry, yeah, um, you know, some of those, you know dark red fruits you go straight from berries to overripe right and so i yeah. thought those should be closer together but you know again any any uh wheel and and it's going to have you know issues where people uh, question it but i think overall it's a great tool um especially as you work from the inside out yeah you know, again the further out you go the more opportunity you're going to have for subjectivity and, and nuance and arguments but uh yeah, it's a great starting point. So, so what you're saying is um, you thought about 
like taking the flavor wheel and like, you know, burning it out front and, you know, in front of your coffee shop, but, but you decided not to <laughs> is what you're saying. Basically. <laughs> so one other thing, and we alluded to it earlier, is there is another flavor wheel. Um, there and is. There is. And, and people, uh, including uh, us at Humble Coffee, use it a decent amount. Um, we actually use both um, wheels as far as education and for standardization. And it's counterculture. Counterculture has a flavor wheel. And if you remember... 101ers, there's that gap between about 2009, 2010, and then the flavor wheel coming out in 2016. So all through that time, you know, we're still potentially using the old unapproachable flavor wheel. So in 2013, counterculture came out with a wheel. Um, and, uh, I, uh, you know, a couple of cool things with it. Uh, one, they tried to make it visually appealing. Uh, there are several similarities uh, when you look at uh, both wheels kind of beside each other. I, I think for me specifically, one area that I really like um, that you don't get strictly with the SCA flavor wheel is they have a little scale for body and they also have um, a smaller wheel that shows like faults in the coffee, like mold or under-roasted, under-ripe. Uh, what Jeremy was talking about earlier, uh, getting a getting some over-ripe in, you know, your cup. And then they have a list of some adjectives and intensifiers for coffee. Again, all of this for both of these wheels kind of lending towards potential standardization of how we communicate with each other. Yeah, and you know when that one first came out, I remember it, it was blowing people's minds. I personally love it. Yeah, I, I think like it's. It. Um, I think it's a great one. It, it does have a bunch more. Yeah, I, I should. I, I just, I'm sure it's out there. Maybe we can have it for the episode of the of the detail of how many, you know, outside level descriptors are on each wheel. It yeah. feels like this one has twice as many. It may yeah, not it's be, got a lot. Uh, I haven't literally counted it out, but. Uh, but it's got a lot. Yeah. And, and a lot more, you know, you know, where the other has pineapple, right. You know, this has a whole tropical fruit section, right. right. You know, yeah. with what, uh, Passion two fruit, or mango, six, eight, ten, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's at least 12. So, so I love, yeah, I love that, you know, additional level of, of outside descriptor again, you know, also leads to, more opportunity for us to disagree, right? If you get to that outside level and I taste, you know, kiwi and you get passion fruit. Yeah. Um, of course. Then we're never going to speak again. We're using those descriptors. That's right. And, 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 you know, never mind that I don't have passion fruit regularly, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and throw that descriptor on it. But right. That's, you know, right. I because digress, it's cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, right. But, you know, honestly, really that, wants passion fruit <laughs> that, that does bring up, I think a really good point. And, Early on when the, I remember I was at a um, SCA Expo when either the, the year that the flavor, the new flavor wheel came out or the next year. And of course, big thing, they're touting it. And somebody from another country, you know, stood up and went to the mic and said, well, 
you know, how, how do I use this? Because like none of these, like half of these things we can't even eat or get in our country. Like, I don't even know what this is. Um, and I think that's a very good point. Uh, to be honest, a lot of this for both wheels is fairly Americanized, um, or we'll say, um, uh, first world, you know, type of wheel. Um, and you, and you may not get, uh, you know, some of these particular fruits that are familiar in other countries. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good thing to remember, right? As we're talking about this as two guys in, in the Southeastern United States, right. um, all, all coffee, right. Is grown uh, in other countries from where we are, except for Hawaii, which is certainly further away than a lot of coffee growing countries from where we are. Um, and, and often, right. In, in very extreme conditions, harsh conditions, frankly, um, high levels of poverty. It's actually one of the reasons that I got into coffee to begin with was to see, okay, how can I make an economic impact on these areas? that's sustainable. Yeah. Um, so, so to talk about this, you know, essentially American made, certainly the counterculture one and even SCA, you know, at the time it was SCAA, right? Right. So it wasn't the world organization that it is today. Um, they definitely have for sure a first world bent, if not a completely American bent. Right. Um, so important to keep in mind is most people who are tasting coffee for the first time, right, before it ever gets to your roaster, right, it's it's being graded, you know, at origin. Right. So, so, you know, them being familiar with these tasting notes is an interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, honestly, how it's how the flavor will and how that addressing that question will evolve. And, it, you know, and it may be that from the, you know, one thing I've thought of is is from the farm um, and until we'll say it gets to the roaster or even the importer, um, maybe you back off some of those super detailed uh, notes like coconut um, or cherry and you know you just say fruity and floral um, and I think right. I think most people will, could get that you know like they you know and it, and it might not be okay well this is a passion fruit um, but they we could all agree that it's fruity um, and so maybe that's you know one place we start um, and then otherwise whatever each country past that but past we'll say the first or the second circle within the flavor wheel of three circles or counterculture has two or three depending on where you are on the chart um or the wheel you know they all of that could be standardized but then then the outside ring could be specific to the country yeah it's an interesting combination of of things i know you know in my early origin travels i think origin has gotten more calibrated as well around um, some of the unique processing and natural processes that are more and more common and popular. Right. The first few times I went to origin, you know, if you tried something that was really uh, fermented, uh-huh. right. And so it had a lot of fruit on it. There were some origin cuppers who would actually call that a fault uh-huh. and, and would actually not call it specialty coffee. And then we'd come through and taste it and be like, Oh no, that's exactly what we want. Right. Yeah. You want those boozy, you know, yeah. really fruit forward cups. You know, it's really, so, go ahead. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's, that's something that's evolved over the years, too. Right? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because historically, like way back in the day, um, natural or dry processed was how we got, you know, and this is before mine and your time, but how we got most of our coffee 
and then it you know historically transitioned to a preference for washed and i feel like especially the last five years um we're really or at least maybe i'm biased but i know at least for me like uh, i love those you know natural or dry process the uh you know anaerobic um you know all these experimental methods um and some can go over the top as far as boozy um but there's some really good ones out there yeah and i think you certainly have seen that right in in specialty world that there has been a a shift towards experimental processes you know longer fermentations to pull out new and unique flavors. Now I'd argue maybe in some cases you're actually not even tasting the coffee there. You're tasting the process. Yeah. So that uh, is, a, is a whole other episode probably around uh, at what point does that become flavored coffee? If I'm manipulating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Up. But, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other episode, but the, uh, but you're right. And there are several things, including the processing method that definitely impact, you know, that, that final cup. And I think another part of it, and again, this might be open in, another can of worms but uh is i think we might have to step away from um putting such an emphasis on the origin as as far as the predictability of how something tastes because you're going to start to see all these different varieties that people are growing that are going to taste way different no matter where they put them um all these different processing methods and so um i don't know i think it is uh, the origin is important, but I think it is even more so these days getting more global. You're right. Now that the, the best anaerobic process from Colombia, right. is going to taste a lot more like, um, a really great anaerobic process from Kenya than right. another traditional Colombian coffee. Right. right. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely, um, process is, is becoming, uh, a very big part of what you're tasting in, in the most unique and differentiating coffees. Yep, yep, I think you're totally right. So um, let's shift gears and tell me about Bond Life Coffee. Yeah, so, you know, Bond Life, I, I mentioned it in passing earlier that, that, you know, really the ultimate reason why I got into coffee to begin with was actually more about economic empowerment than a great love for coffee. I thought I liked coffee. Yeah. Uh, turns out there was, there was a whole lot more I didn't know than I did know. But I have a brother who's a missionary in Southeast Asia. And so, you know, rather than just continuing to send him money, I said, Hey, what if we, what if we import some coffee and we can open a little retail shop and roast it? Yeah. Um, so that was uh, a little over 10 years ago and it has evolved, um, like all of us over that time. And probably the biggest shift for me was it went from being just about, uh, the economic empowerment piece, which I still care greatly about. But right. my emphasis and focus on quality has changed entirely, right? Yeah. The more I learn ab- about how special and unique coffee is, the more I chase, you know, maybe to a fault, right? The very best coffees I can find. Yeah. And uh, which is interesting, right? Because unfortunately, this is an unpopular thing to say, maybe, but uh, unfortunately, it seems most of the very best coffees I can find are actually coming from very sophisticated producers mm-hmm. who are very well organized, know what they're doing. That's part of why their coffee's so good, yeah. but who maybe don't have the same economic needs um, that maybe my core. Uh, Original you know, thought. Farm origin. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a, it's a tension that I live with, but, but all that said, you know, Bond Life Coffee. Yeah. We, we exist to, 
you know, to serve people in excellent coffee. So, um, and we try to do both at the same time every day. Yeah. And I know probably a lot like you, the, the surprising piece for me has been how much we're able to impact our local community, right. which is a piece that frankly was an afterthought at the beginning. Yeah. It has been pretty cool to watch that evolve. Yeah. Especially for me and you in that we're not in Portland, Oregon, or we're not in Boston. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so um, it really is kind of a frontier and you're really honestly probably ahead of, you know, where Humble Coffee is in Mississippi. But um, as far as the, the community being educated on what you're trying to do and where coffee is going. But, you know, I will say back to your point as far as the great coffee and juxtaposing that with, you know, the economic depravity is um, supply and demand. You know, I think there's going to be longer term, more demand for the better coffees. And with that, I think ingenuity is going to rear its ugly head and um, you are going to have some of these, um, you know, smaller farms that are scrappy who are going to figure out how to not just make a better coffee, but with that or make a better coffee that they grow, but with that, you know, make a better life uh, for them and for their farmers. And, you know, I think coffee is probably at least 20 years behind wine but um you know it's it's i think it's getting there especially with specialty coffee no that's exactly right i think i think we do have a long way to go yet but one of the exciting things right about these experimental processes is those actually have in my opinion a little less to do with the starting coffee quality and more with your consistent ability to do an extended ferment or an aerobic process if you can do that in Haiti or Nicaragua or Honduras or some of these other places that actually have greater need, then I think there's a way you know, to bridge the gap and, and improve quality and economic outcomes for those places. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, listen, it was great having you on, Jeremy. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I uh, appreciate all you're doing and uh, look forward to listening to this one and future episodes. All right. See you. Jeremy seemed to know a lot about coffee tasting. Wait, that's not right. Flavor wheeling? <laughs> flavor wheeling, like an action verb. Yeah, okay, I'll use that. He was really good at flavor wheeling. Yes. Jeremy yes. Jeremy's really good at... Oh, should I say Mr. Jeremy? Or is he no. just Jeremy to me? Jeremy, he's just Jeremy, Jeremy? Okay. Jeremy Bear. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yes, yes he's kind of cuddly. Oh, all right. <laughs> that took a turn. Look, anyways, look, he, he would be comfortable with us talking about how approachable he is. Okay. I, yes, you sound like a very approachable person. I'm not going to go as far as calling you Jer Bear, but we could say mm, Jer Jer? I don't know. I think I'm going to. Just Jer? I think Jer Bear. Jer Bear? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so he was really good at explaining flavor wheeling, and we were happy, Jeremy, to have you on the show today. So hopefully yes. all the one-on-oneers out there learned a little bit. Yes, thank you for coming on the show. We very much appreciate it. My knowledge has been expanded, and I hope y'all y'all's have too.
Hey, thanks for listening today. If you will follow Coffee 101 so that you will know every Wednesday when a new episode comes out. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. If you have any coffee questions, either leave it in the review or you can DM us on Instagram at Humble Coffee. Want to know more about the flavor wheel or coffee tasting in general? Check out the show notes and there are links there which include links to the sensory lexicon from World Coffee Research. That's a big word. They're like big words like... Sensory lexicon? Sensory lexicon. Mm. Yep. If you're a business looking for coffee, look no further than Humble Coffee. Just check out the website, humblecoffee.com, U-M-B-L-E, coffee.com, and click on Wholesale. We would love to chat with you. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and I was joined by... Katie. Thomas. Thomas. And we love y'all, and we will see you next time or listen with you next time on Coffee 101. That seems like a good ending.